Leaders in tech are burning out at an absurd rate. Control-Alt-Delete with Lisa Jury is a no-BS conversation with one of the top female executives who spent over 25 years in Silicon Valley. If you're suffering from the always-on, never-good-enough-will-replace-you-today machine called the tech space, this show's for you. Here's Lisa. I have a quote for you. I want you to know it's so good. It's on a t-shirt, everybody. Lisa Dury here, Control-Alt-Delete. And today, I'd like to share this message brought to you by our guest. It's okay not to be okay. I want to say it again because this, this phrase is so true in burnout. This phrase is true in the world we live in. It's true as a parent. It's true as a leader. So I don't care what your role is in your world right now. It is okay not to be okay. And this is brought to you by our guest today, Rachel Druckenmiller. Yay, Rachel. So glad you're Yay. here. Me too. This is going to yeah. be such an awesome conversation. Oh my gosh. So for those of you watching the video, let's just break out the t-shirt because I'm not making this stuff out. I'm not making it up. Look at that. It's okay not to be okay, everybody. I just want to tell you. So I'm going to tell you why Rachel's here. Rachel has inspired me. Um, I've been in workshops with her. We are in the same mastermind group. We've done a lot of things and I stalk her on LinkedIn. Um, but Rachel gives it to you straight. She talks to you about what's really going on. She has some really good insight right now as far as what's going on in her world and the poll she just did as far as burnout goes. And whether you're leading a company or leading in your home, whether you are managing a team or managing yourself, um, this message I think is so important right now with so much going on. And so uh, let me read you the formal bio because I got, I don't want to miss one word about how amazing our friend is here. So Rachel is the CEO of Unmuted and is on a mission to humanize the workplace by igniting resilience, connection, energy, and engagement, and hope in leaders and teams. She Now listen to this. Just think about this for a second. She's delivered over 160 interactive virtual learning experiences as a keynote speaker, workshop facilitator, and leadership training in the past year. Okay? We are talking a lot. All right. Rachel has worked with dozens of organizations, including Citizens Bank, Deloitte, Sherman Williams, and the American Heart Association. And here's something about her that I learned that I think makes it a very unique conversation today while you're all listening in. She's recognized as the number one health promotion professional in the U.S. in 2015. And it doesn't stop there. She's a 40 under 40 game changer in 2019 and one of the daily records leading women of 2020. Rachel is a national thought leader in the field of well-being and employee engagement. And this translates to the home too, everybody. And I, I just couldn't be happier. Rachel Druckenmiller. Rachel, I do this every time. Rachel Druckenmiller. Now I'm just going to call it out. Lisa Derriere here. Lisa Dury <laughs> and Rachel Druckenmiller are here. And you know, every time I practice that, I'm still there. So thank you for your, your beautiful support as I work on your name, my friend, because I call her Rachel, everybody. I don't call her by her last name and I'm sure I'm not the only one. Yeah. No, this will make you feel maybe better. Make you laugh. My husband's an elementary school teacher. And when I was picking him up from school to go to a friend's house about a year and a half ago, one of his students, as he was leaving said, bye, Mr. Drunken Melon. Drunken Melon. <laughs> okay. I feel better already. I just started laughing. I was like, that's, uh, I've never heard that before. Very unique. Good job, kid. And he laughed too. They call him Mr. D yeah. because it's just too impossible to try anything else. Um, I so. love it. I mean, how hard is it? Druckenmiller. I can do it now when the pressure's off, but in it, right? 
You know, I, I just, that's what I love about you. So it's okay to not be okay. And it's okay to mess up names and be human, right? Not a big deal. You're being human. I love yes. it so much. That's what we're doing. Tell me about the shirt. Let's go right there. I mean, what is it? Yeah. You, you're intentional. I know you are. So yeah. it's, it's on you today. So what do we want to tell the audience? What's going on? Well, I actually started getting these graphic tees when I first launched my business about in uh, September of 2019, I was doing a photo shoot. That's how I spent my first day working for myself is doing a photo shoot. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And I, I had a shirt from, from this, the greatest showman line. This is me. And then another one that says you are enough. And I noticed that for me, once COVID hit, you know, and I didn't have to like really dress up and get super fancy to do my work anymore as a speaker, that I wanted to do something different and memorable. And I've always loved quotes. I've always been connected to words and the meaning of words. And over the past year, especially, I'm happy to, I mean, just touch on the story right now, if that's relevant. Let's do it. Yeah, we're in, man. We're going. Yeah. We're in. We're here. So and listen, um, everybody lean in because your mouth is going to drop. Okay. We're just going. Just, oh, wait. Spoiler alert. Spoiler. Lean in on this one. Yep. <laughs> so crazy things. So, right. COVID hit seven months after I launched my business, was in corporate for 13 years, um, you know, burned out in 2017. We talk about that later. Um, and so I was really excited, you know, I was excited to launch my business. I was full-time speaking in-person events and then COVID hit and it was like, uh, no, you're not. Mm -hmm. And so in about the next month, I started reformulating and reinventing my business. I was starting to get some momentum, starting to feel good. And then on May 3rd, I was doing something good for myself. And my husband and I went out on a run and a pickup truck turning right on red, um, ran directly into me. And I ended up in the middle of the intersection. My husband saw the whole thing happen. Um, and just couldn't stop it. So I ended up with a compression fracture in my back, intense muscle spasms, was in a back brace for two months, was in physical therapy for 10 months, going back now so I can figure out how to recalibrate the running thing and other th like psychotherapy and just processing. You know, all of us, the past year has been traumatic. The world as we know it, life as we know it, work as we know it, interacting with other human beings as we know it has been fundamentally shifted and we've all experienced some type of grieving that we maybe haven't given ourselves permission to go through. And it's interesting, the week before the accident, I wrote an article on LinkedIn um, called, I think it was, um, you know, give yourself permission to grieve or like it's, I think it might've been, it's okay to not be okay. <laughs> yeah. Because I was sad about all the changes with COVID. Little did I know what was about to come. And then on the one year anniversary of the accident this year of the car accident, I was diagnosed with COVID on May 3rd. So I'm going to run away to like Jamaica, May 3rd of 2022. That's where you can find me. Listen, May 3rd, everybody, you know, batting down the hatches, right? I mean, we have all these dates in our wedding date, birth date, graduation date, but May 3rd, you know? Yeah. May 3rd for Rachel is, um, yeah, I, we actually, we were scheduled to do this podcast on May 3rd, sure. right? Oh. And then boom. Okay. So I just have to like back up for a minute and say, you, you know, when you, when we read the bio and we talk about what you bring resilience, well-being, you know, thinking about uh, doing 160 somehow speaking engagement, um, interactive virtual learning experience as a keynote speaker in the midst of, you know, building a business, rebuilding your health and then getting knocked down again. I, I, there's just so much to this. And for those of you that maybe know Rachel already, and for those of you that don't, she's on LinkedIn live talking about getting COVID. She's like, she's not hiding it. Right. And that's one of the reasons why I think it's so important to, with your shirt today is to really talk about everybody's got something and I'm not trying to take away from you. I mean, yours is that's going to stop everybody in their tracks, but excuse me, a car turned and hit you and your husband saw it. A truck hit you. 
that alone, we could do seven hours on. Sure. And then you compound that with everything else on top of it. And here you are smiling. You're looking beautiful, recovering from COVID, and then also dealing with some of the emotional things that go with everything that's happened too, right? So I, your shirt is just the most beautiful testament to you know being human at work. I mean, we are working right now and you are so human. And I guess my question for you, when I'm thinking about this for the listeners, you know, everybody's got the truck. You have the, you have the literal truck. Yes. Yeah. You know, my burnout story, I feel like was the truck hitting me. That was my emergency room visit, right? You have your burnout stories as well. So what advice or tips do you have for people that have that in their life right now that they're not even really talking about, are afraid to share it, don't want people to judge them? Yeah. Um, what are you finding? I just would love your perspective on this because you see it through so many lenses. One of the things that I find is that we have this assumption, the more we isolate ourselves and whatever we're dealing with, the more alone we feel. And the more we begin to convince ourselves that we are the quite possibly the only person dealing mm -hmm. with whatever that thing is and that nobody else is, everybody else is totally confident and never deals with, never doubts themselves and always feels like they're on top of things. No, I, I don't, I don't think I've ever met anyone that is honest that can say that. And so mm -hmm. the more what I've learned as somebody who is, you know, golden child, you know, talked about this kind of stuff, golden child growing up, wanting everyone to perceive me as impressive and my achievement was what made me valuable and worthwhile. You know, when we're coming from that place of having so much of our identity wrapped up in what we do, we, t and it's a story. We tell ourselves a story that mm -hmm. if they really knew that I struggled, <laughs> If yep. they really knew that I lost sleep at night, if they really knew that I was so scared to talk to this person, if they really knew how much I felt like I was drowning, but didn't want to say anything because I didn't want to be the weak link. Cause if I'm the weak link, then maybe they're going to not give me other responsibilities, or maybe I won't get that promotion, or maybe they're going to think about letting me go. Like the stories are endless. We can be endlessly creative in unproductive ways. Yep. I certainly am. <laughs> Endlessly creative and unproductive ways. Like that's a writer downer. I'm going to put, that's another shirt. <laughs> we can be endlessly creative in unproductive ways. Um, amen. Yes, ma'am. Yes, 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 yes. Yep. So like, that's what we do. Like we make up these stories. Well, you can make up another story. How about if somebody around me who really cares about me knew that I was struggling and that they could have helped me, but I didn't say anything because I was making that decision for them. That's unfair. Mm-hmm. Mm so we make the decision for other people. We're like, oh, they have too much going on. They're probably too burdened. Story, right? Mm -hmm. we're, we're telling ourselves that. And, and, and that's not necessarily true. I mean, they often say give things to the busiest people because they're the ones that get stuff done. And I remember the day after the accident happened, there was a woman who reached out to me who I never met. I maybe met her briefly in person, um, but we were doing a, work, a virtual engagement like panel thing a couple of weeks later. And she saw my post on LinkedIn about what had happened and reached out and said, Hey, I'd love to make a set up a meal train for you and your husband. Mm. And at first my initial response was like, I don't want to be a burden. This is ridiculous. You have the means to pay for things. Like we, we hyper rationalize when someone offers to help us and mm -hmm. decide here's all the reasons why you shouldn't do what you are offering to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, like they're, they're offering. And then we make this judgment call and say, well, I, I don't think you really meant that. <laughs> and they're like, no, I, <laughs> but I did though. That's why I offered, you know? And so I, I said, yes. And then we spent 45 minutes on the phone and she, her husband dropped off our first meal. And that was like such 
a godsend the first five weeks of recovery because I'd wake up at four o'clock in the morning with muscle spasms and my husband would have to wake up with me and he was still teaching full-time from home and I was still working because I was trying to run a business and yeah make a living and it was really hard um mm -hmm. but I have to say one of the things that can be most helpful for us a couple things is to look back on the times in the past where we went through something really hard and we didn't know how we were going to make it out but we did yeah if you're mm -hmm. still here, you made it through that. Like if you're listening to this, listening to the sound of our voices, then you made it through that. And my husband reminded me. So when I got diagnosed with COVID, I had three workshops that week. And I said to him, I was like, <laughs> I had a fever and a headache and I just felt crappy. It was one thing to be in a back brace, but you know, on a bunch of Tylenol, extra strength Tylenol, and I don't really have to move. It's sort of easy. But when you, when you like mentally kind of feel like crap, mm -hmm. it's hard to show up. And he said, if you can show up like you did last year, and I did a gig two days after the back fracture, I'm not like bragging about, I'm not saying this is necessarily what I would recommend other people do, or even that what I should have done, it was the choice I made to do these gigs still. And he's like, if you could do that, if you made it through that, you're gonna be able to get through this week. Mm. And so I, I had a, something to compare in my own life to like, yeah, remember when you got hit by a truck and fractured you back and you were still able to do your work, you will be able to do this, Rachel. And I was honest that it's not okay not to be okay. I didn't fake it. I didn't come in and pretend like I was fine. I told every single client, I have COVID. And if you want to reschedule so that I'm at hundred percent, you know, I understand that I'm feeling well enough. And I was honest, I was feeling like I can put it together for 90 minutes and do this. Mm -hmm. The joy of facilitation is that you're not always talking the whole time. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yep. They're talking to each other and they're, you know, teaching the group as well. Um, and so I think that's a lot of it. We forget. It's like we have this amnesia where we forget that we've made it through so many hard things already. And drawing on the strength of our past and drawing on the strength of people around us. Like when somebody said, hey, anything I could do for you. You know what I said? Somebody on LinkedIn who I've been connected to from there. I, I said, you know what? I really love handwritten mail. Here's my address. And, and she sent me a note in the mail like a week later. That's awesome. And it's yeah. like when people offer to help us, we have to be, it's, it's not a sign of weakness. It's not a sign of incompetence to say yes to help. It's a sign of being human. Like we need each other. We need each other. We're not meant to do all of this alone. And I've tried for a lot of my life <laughs> to do a lot of things alone. And I still do. It is a hard thing when you're, very independent and have felt this need to fend for yourself and do everything on your own. It's, it's, it's hard to feel like you can just lean on somebody else and trust they're going to hold you up. Um, that can be really scary. Very scary. Yeah. When I think about what you're saying right now, and I'm, I'm putting myself in the shoes of the listeners, right? <clears throat> One of the things I know, having been there myself is that there's this like unspoken rule that you shouldn't need anybody at work. You know, you get rewarded for your technical brilliance, let's say in tech, right? But what I know is that the collective wisdom when you're with other people writing code too, or other people working on the project together, you're actually better for it. <clears throat> and yet there's this like deeply ingrained mindset around, I shouldn't need anybody. And I do believe that's why I burnt out. And I do believe that's why I have a tickle in my throat right now because our body knows before, you know, we do. 
It does. <laughs> when I well, hear what you're saying. For people that are really technical, right? Since we're talking about like, and I work with a lot of technical performance. I work in some in tech <clears> and um, in accounting and engineering and scientific research and, you know, work with a lot yeah. of analytical. Oh, yeah. Often skeptical, cynical coming into this space, right? And so I have a device that I wear called a Whoop Band, W-H-O-O-P. Whoop. Whoop, there it is. Um, and I got to write this down, a Whoop Band, okay. W-H-O-O-P. Yeah, if anybody wants to learn more, just send me a message and I can, and I'll send you a, a, a link if you want. I've had it for almost three years, three years this fall. And I wear it every day. The charger pops directly onto the device and it measures your heart rate variability, which is a measure really of, reflective of your immune system and reflective of your fitness level. It measures your sleep, it measures your resting heart rate, it measures your respiratory rate. So the day before I got diagnosed with COVID, all my metrics got all jacked up. And oh, so wow. this knew before the test knew. <laughs> wow. And as somebody who has a tendency to just like run over myself, no pun intended with the car, but like, this tendency to just like, we push ourselves, right? Yes, We're like high yes. achieving. We are, yeah. you know, we want to do well. We want to be perceived as somebody who knows what they're doing, who's competent and, and all of that. But this device, sometimes I think like, oh, I'm good. I'm good. And then the, the device will give me a recovery score every day, which is a combination of your sleep and your, how much you've exerted yourself and, and your heart rate. And it'll tell me like, uh, no, you're pretty wiped. And so that'll be my sign. All right. I need to go to bed earlier tonight or wow. I wake up and it gives me a green score of like you're at 75%, like on a scale of zero to hundred, you're, you're at hundred percent and, or not, never under, like maybe I'm like at, at 75 or 90. I'm like, oh, I can push myself harder right. when I work out today. So it's like, it's just an external gauge that for me has been really, really helpful. And I could also track my recovery as I was recovering from COVID. I saw That's all amazing. my numbers adjust to go back to my normal. <laughs> you know, so I'm a human right now. I'm having an allergy moment. Mm. And I always wonder, should I not do the podcast because I have allergies? And I think, nope, people have allergies. We're going to power through. Yeah. <clears throat> and yet, I'm going to clear my throat. One of the things that you just said really resonated with me when the sense of, as my one eye, I always have one eye that drips, by the way. Anyone I get it. it. I've, I've been there. Not the one eye. Frustrated. Here's the thing I want to say. <clears throat> I always talk about we charge our phones more than we charge ourselves. Mm -hmm. Recharge, right? Yep. Heck, it's, it's called control all delete, by the way, right? Yeah. But what you're talking about is there is a way to find out what your energy reserves are. There is a way to find out where you stand. There is a way to find out what's going on. And, you know, when I was, when I was burning out, I never believed other people's observations of me, right? Cause my capacity, I mean, if you, if right. you know, human design, I'm a um, emotional generator. It's okay. like, I go, 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 get it done. Love it. Love it. Love it. I'm in it. Yeah. And then bam. Right. And I'm usually the type of person that will crash after the crisis, like in the crisis, I'm good. And then, so I'm thinking about if I had had the whoop, what that might have told me and what, you know, what it is, what it symbolizes in the sense of just thinking about, we think we're okay. Yeah. We're not, it's okay to not be okay, by the way. Yeah. So we have to convince ourselves because we want to convince our, everybody at work that everything's fine. Right. And I mean, the honest to God truth, Rachel, nothing, nobody's fine right now. Nobody's okay right now. And that's why I wanted to talk to you. This is like yeah. the most perfect conversation for where the world is right now, even with my one drippy eye. Yeah. So people would say, how are you doing, Lisa? Perfect. I'm good. My eye's dripping. I'm hosting a podcast. I'm wondering if you can even hear me right now. I'm great. I look like I'm crying. You know, let's make a joke yeah. about it. But do I want to have allergies right now? No, but I don't want to miss this conversation either, right? It's a choice. Yeah. 
Yeah. <clears throat> so yes. I love that you brought that up. I have never heard of the whoop. I mean, I know about Fitbits, I know about Apple Watches, all that good stuff. Yeah. But no matter what you have, right? It's really about calibrating and getting to know yourself so that you can catch it before it gets too far. Yeah. I mean, so what was your burnout story like? So for me, you know, I just kept going and going and thinking everything was fine and I can do it all. Clearly, that didn't work out for me. Yeah. But what's your burnout story? Well, for me, I mean, again, always been an overachiever. And what really was the kind of the trigger point, I'd say, was I, in 2015, was named the number one health promotion professional in the United States by the Wellness Council of America. Um, from a group of several hundred of my peers around across the United States. And I was like, oh my gosh, I mean, it was the first time I got a national, truly national platform. I got to speak in front of, you know, several hundred of my peers at their, at their conference. I did an acceptance speech and I was so nervous. I like, you know, mapped out word for word, the entire thing and so different than how I am now with it. But what happened was I, I, I got that award which was really great, except then I started putting all this pressure on myself of like, oh, shoot, I think people do this as they, as they move up in an organization, like, oh, wait, now I'm, yep. you know, totally. now I'm this level, now I'm this title. So that means, again, the story is, yep. what that means is I'm the number one, so I have to always, I have to keep being the number one. I can't, I can't fall from, fall, fall from grace, right? I can't, um, I have to always have the best ideas. I have to always know what I'm, what to do. I have to always be on top of things. I, you know, I, I put this pressure on myself of if they said I'm the best. I have to make sure everyone continues to think I'm the best forever and ever. Amen. Like that was sort of how I, I totally feel you. Yep. Right? Yep. And no one ever said that to me, but I internalized that. And so it was like a blessing and a curse. Like I, I'm, I'm so glad it happened because of what it did to forward my career. But what started to happen about a year later, I have journals where I was writing to myself and I would recommend journaling, by the way, because we can, so journaling and then reading your journaling aloud, because you get a different kind of insight. You hear it differently when you hear yourself read it than just when you write it. So journaling, I'm a big advocate of, and you don't have to do it every single day in 10 minutes. Like whenever you have a thought that comes up, write it down or use, there's an app. Journaling and meditation, like really people, right? And then we're like, no, no, really, it does work. That's why it's there. Oh, yeah. Make it work for you, right? You don't have to do it the way everyone else does it. But yeah, even 10 minutes is what you're saying, right? Yes, there's no right way. There's an app called Jur, J-O-U-R, where if you want to use your phone and not write stuff down, you can use that app um, to just check in with yourself and track how you're doing. And I wrote things like, I need to slow down. Like I was writing things to myself. I had a wisdom inside of myself that knew that mm -hmm. I needed to recalibrate something, but I felt like I was just like, I didn't was spinning out of control. And then in September of 2016, I had a dream that I was drowning. And I woke up from the dream. I was in my kitchen and the water kept rising and rising and rising. And, and I didn't know how I was going to get out. And all of a sudden there was a door that opened and all the water drained out and the floor was wet, but the room was empty. And I it was one of those dreams where like, Unlike if I dream of like Ryan Gosling or something, I'm like, oh, <laughs> I'm glad I woke up from this one. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I love it. Being honest. <laughs> um, and so I woke up from that and I journaled about it and then I didn't change anything. And then I went to see my doctor. I started having trouble with my memory. So at the time, this was in 2017. So you know, I was 33, 32, 33 years old. And I was having trouble with my memory, just like pulling regular words in a conversation. And I was like, whoa, my great grandmother had dementia and what's happening. I probably have, you know, catastrophe. Yep. I went to my doctor, integrative medicine doctor. And he said very gently and kindly, maybe you're doing too much. And I was like, eh, I'm not sure. Hi, have we met before? <laughs> <laughs> too, what is too much? Yeah. I'm not, not 
computing that. Mm -hmm. And so I ignored him and then I kept going. And then a month later I got super sick, swollen lymph nodes, worst sore throat of my life, totally exhausted, did all the little health tricks, natural things I knew to do and mm -hmm. none of it worked. And I went back to him Valentine's day. I was supposed to be at dinner with my husband and I was about to pass out. Like I was so exhausted. My husband had to drive me and my same doctor sat across from me. And here's a question I would invite everyone to really talk about leaning in to lean into and see how this resonates with you. He asked me, um, would you say this was brought on by work or that you brought this on yourself? Mm. And he said it with compassion and kindness and not with judgment, truly with curiosity. And I had a moment where I wanted, like a lot of us do, we're like, my job does this to me. They suck yeah. the life out of me. They suck my soul dry. Like we, we sit there and we want to blame somebody else. But the reality is I had said yes to all of that. And I had mm -hmm. to own that. And I had to say, I brought this, my, my unquenchable thirst to achieve has gotten me to the place where I have completely just burned myself out. And he said, I'm going to test you for Epstein-Barr. And I was like, what is that? And I had no idea. It's an acute form of mono. And the test came back positive. And the way that hope works is so beautiful because in the midst of my despair where I was grieving, right, we have to grieve these things. We have to we experience the shock, right? And, and then we, you know, go to a place of denial and then we're frustrated and we're angry. We have to, that is a righteous anger when you're going through loss. And most people have basically glossed over that in the past 16 months or however long it's going to be from the, you know, <clears> since COVID, the lockdown started, we can't do that, right? That idea of glossing over frustration, anger, and sadness, that's, it's part of a process and those things need to happen. So I was in, I was really upset, but then I got this email from my nutritionist who had helped me recover from other, some other health challenges two or three years prior. And I kid you not, I opened up this email. I don't read all of our emails. I opened up this one. And I'm reading through it. And she says, I've just picked the topic for my final PhD project. And it's Epstein-Barr virus. Mm -hmm. And I had just like a little party moment for myself because I was like, oh, she's helped me before. Like she, it was like this, it was like not even a glimmer of hope. It was like a burst of hope. I was like, oh my gosh, she can help me. And I reached right out to her. It's, you know, we hear uh, Dan Sullivan and Benjamin Hardy's book, Who Not How. We ask ourselves, instead of how do I figure this out? I couldn't figure that out by, my, by myself. Who knows how to do this? Exactly. Who can help me, right? So at mm -hmm. work, who, who else knows how to do this? Who has experience here? Who's been in my seat? Who struggled with this too? Who's overcome this? Who's on the other side of it? Who can help me? Instead of all of the pressure on ourselves, which is what we're doing yep. in the midst of burnout, how can I figure this out? You probably can't by yourself. Mm -hmm. And there's part of us that's like, mm, yes, I can, but no, sorry. You're not an exception to all humanity. So no, no, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm writing down all your shirts. Now you are not an exception to all humanity. This is so good. Right. You know. Yeah. I always say, look for the who's right. Yes. The who, who? For the who's. yes. Who are the who's right. The who's down in Whoville, right? The Grinch right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So that was my glimmer of hope. And I reached out and she said, I can help you. And now she's written a book called the EBV solution. And my, my recovery story is a case study in that book. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. You know, I have personal experience with um, Epstein-Barr virus in my family. And it, this was like in the 90s, you know, when in, um, one of my family members was in tech and burning out and everyone was just like, oh yeah, it's all in your head. It's all in your head. And I did a lot of research way back then. And uh, yeah, people, people, we have got to quit beating ourselves up emotionally, physically, mentally. I mean, Rachel, what you're saying resonate, I know is going to resonate with everyone here, right? Because 
my burnout story too. I, when I got to the doctor, finally, after months of bronchitis and allergic reaction to antibiotics that I forced him to give me, you know, I can't force the doctor to do anything, but you know, please, I have to travel. I can't keep coughing, blah, blah, blah. For him to say, you know, you have Silicon Valleyitis, like welcome to Silicon Valley. This is normal. This is the number one reason I see people. And at that point I got pissed. You want to talk about angry? I was like, why the F is no one talking about this then? I mean, I thought I was broken. I thought it was all me, blah, blah. And I wanted to blame everybody. And believe me, it was all work's fault in my head. You know what I mean? Yeah. It couldn't possibly be me. So after three months off and lots of reflection and journaling, and I talk a lot about, you know, desire mapping when I really started to get clear on how I wanted to feel and where my goals aligned with those feelings, then I came back to work and said, you know what, if I just leave, cause I'm embarrassed, cause I'm broken. Um, I'm never going to build this muscle. I will never have better boundaries. I will never give myself the best chance I have to actually redo the way I show up at work. And that's one of the greatest gifts I think I gave myself was owning my choices, owning my part. You know, yes, I, I understand it's not all beautiful at work, right? And people give more to the people who do more. I understand it. And you get a choice to say, Hey, happy to take this on. What would you like to give? Cause there's, this yes. is what we can get right done right now. Like there's so many ways to say yes. And mm-hmm. not, no, you can still be the yes person if you don't want to say no, but you know, really navigating that and getting comfortable in your own skin on what's possible. I mean, what you're talking about here is so important and it goes back to, it's okay to not be okay. Yeah. I mean, as leaders in the organization, we're, you know, Rachel, I'm going to tell you the people that work for you are not okay. So you can either make it okay for them to not be okay, or you can act like everything's fine and you will watch what's going to happen in the next six months. Do you know what I mean? Like there is no doubt in my mind that we are on a, we have a massive collective grief slash trauma that's going on and it's going to affect people differently. So it needs to be okay to not be okay. And you as the leader own that you have to make it safe to not be okay. You do. Yes. And share, and you do that. By sharing some of the things, you don't have to give everyone like the deepest, darkest, like secrets that are maybe in exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, there's still a boundary at mm-hmm. work, but this idea that people, people were already wearing like a double mask, right? Before, yep. uh, before all of this, like, this is who I have to be at work and this is who I have to be at home. Mm-hmm. And now that the boundaries are blurred, it's like, uh, which of the, which of these do I put on right now? It's um, exhausting, right? So living a double life is very exhausting. Yes. Yeah. Now we don't feel like we can. And even as people are returning to offices, this idea Mm -hmm. of, well, gosh, if I'm at home, am I going to miss out on stuff because I'm not physically there? Mm -hmm. And so how can we make sure that we're asking questions like, how can I best support you right now? Like, this is the simplest question that so many people just aren't asking each other. How can I best support you right now? And how can we cut that? We sort of, when you were, when we were talking earlier, I was like, I've got to mention this. This comparative suffering nonsense needs to stop. So. <laughs> There's the next shirt. Comparing, comparison suffering nonsense needs to stop. No shit. We can all suffer in our own way. My suffering is not upping your suffering or my, you know, my problem is not better, bigger or better than your. It's all relative to the person who's experiencing it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Or I think it was a podcast with David Kessler and Brene Brown that I listened to last March or April. They're saying your grief is always heaviest because it's yours. Exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah, whatever, even if you didn't get hit by a truck and even if you didn't get COVID and even if you didn't have anything else other than what's happened in the past year affect you, you're allowed to be grieving 
and to mm -hmm. not be okay. And to feel, I mean, I, I, I see, I do intake surveys before workshops that I facilitate with companies and some of the words I see people calling themselves, I'm lazy. I can't seem to get motivated. I don't have any energy. I'm so distracted. Um, I've had HR leaders have told me when I'm planning with them that they're like, people here are feeling defeated. That is a strong word defeated. Yep. yep. Defeated. And so I go to these, you know, when I'm teeing this stuff up, the reason I want to get from their own words, what they're feeling is so I can get a sense of like, where is their heads? Where are they in their headspace right mm -hmm. now? Yep. So when we come together, I can say, Hey, by the way, what you're calling laziness or a lack of motivation or a lack of energy could be depression mm -hmm. by the, by the way, or it could be burnout by the way, or it could be that you're grieving mm -hmm. and you haven't given yourself permission to do that because you think you should just suck it up and get over whatever, because your life isn't as bad as somebody else's. That's a bunch of nonsense. Like it's, we have to be willing to let ourselves be where we are. And if that means we have to cry something out by ourselves in a room or with somebody else or with a therapist. I'm a huge advocate of therapy, huge, huge, huge advocate yep, of therapy, too. right? Yep. Like we, we, we don't have to, and we can't continue to try to do all of this stuff on our, on our own. It's just not, it's not healthy. And by the way, healing, healing happens in community. It happens in relationship. Healing happens in relationship. The best kind of like most effective transformational, sustainable healing. Think about for anyone listening, right? Think about any healing process you've gone through, whether it's physically, emotionally, relationally, it's very likely that that did not happen in isolation. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So for the leaders listening right now, what's a good, you know, you and I love the power of a question, right? Such a good question. The, a good question can unlock so much so fast. So when we're thinking about this collective, everybody has something going on and you're the leader and you're trying to keep all your shit together and not let anybody know you're suffering and you're trying to keep all the boundaries. And I don't want to get sued if I ask you about a medical condition. And boy, if I ask you how you're sleeping, I don't want to be accused of sexual harassment or, you know, like to get all wound up, like, but to just be human, like what, what's your go-to question to help a leader unlock you know, get into their heart and then connect with someone they're working with to make it safe to not be okay. Yeah. Do you have a go-to question? Um, well, one of them, I mean, I think as you're asking, it's important to lead with the vulnerability of a little snippet of your own something. Mm. Because if you're just coming to them as a leader and you're not used to you asking questions about how they're doing, they're very likely to have some type of wall up or some type of filter that says, what's, why are they really asking me this? Oh yeah. They're like, where's the layoff list. I'm going to go watch the parking lot. I'm, I better get to the office and see who's parked in what plate. Cause yeah, if you're asking right. me how I'm doing, right. there's probably something wrong. Right. Yes. So yeah. Good point. Mm -hmm. So what I found is even just starting the conversation with like, Hey, I know yours been really tough for a lot of us. I mean, I know I've struggled with X and say one thing that might be universal. Like I've just struggled with my sleep or I really struggled to stay focused. And like, gosh, I know it's been really hard you're a really valued member of our team. So first of all, like sort of a, a just like maybe distilling some of the anxiety they may be feeling. So by saying, Hey, we value, you're a really valuable member of our team and we don't want to lose you. How can we best support you right now? Mm -hmm. Yep. I mean, that's a powerful question. How can we best support you right now? Or what about the past year? What, what about the past year has been most challenging for you in terms of transition? And you know, these power of these types of questions, what's a way that you've adapted or, or, or responded to all the changes that you're proud of? Mm -hmm. to like have these human conversations with each other leading first with our own even a snippet of our own stuff so that we feel like this leader is trying to connect with me as a human 
not an authority figure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. When you think about just psychological safety, which is a term everybody throws around, but that's what you're talking about. Yeah. It's human to human connection first, yeah. then yeah. we can get to the rest. Right. Yeah. One of the things that, man, um, I love what you said so much. I, when I think about if someone did that to me at work and they don't start with the human part first, like if, if, if my old boss would have been like, I had a really rough weekend, man, I did not sleep good. I just, I don't, so I got a lot on my mind that alone would let me know they're human, you know, or if, a, if my boss, you know, took a long lunch and called me and said, you know, I'm just not motivated to come back. Can we meet at Starbucks for the one-on-one? I'd be like, oh, thank God you're human. Like the smallest things, yes. right. And that doesn't make you a shitty leader. It makes you a leader who is human. And by the way, you're leading humans. Oh yeah. Right. And so, yeah, I love what you're saying so much. One of the things that I I'm seeing a lot of, you know, cause I'm in my <clears throat> different Facebook groups and my Instagram and blah, blah. Right. And I, this is my own struggle. So I'll be all, I will, I will model vulnerability here. Wonderful. <clears throat> COVID mm-hmm. coping through food and alcohol. Mm-hmm. Right. I love me a margarita during COVID. I'll tell you that right now. Margaritas are not low in calories, by the way. Sure. And they, they go really good with a pizza. Mm-hmm. Okay. So between fire, um, potential evacuation, ice storms, COVID remote learning, blah, blah, blah. Can I just say I've had my share of margaritas and pizza, right? Yeah. And here I am thinking I'm going to go do live events again. And here I am being requested already for certain things. And I love that I can just kind of hide right here on my video screen. You can't see my body. Do you know what I mean? Like, let's just yeah. get really, yeah, hold on. Right. You can't tell I gain weight when I'm here. Can anybody tell? Right. But you get up here and you start to see the chin. Then you're going to see the arms. Let me tell you what the hips are going to look like. Right. People are freaking out about what am I going to wear to work? How am I even going to go to work? What? I don't even have any clothes that fits. You want to talk about what's in the way of productivity and all these leaders saying, let's get back to the office. We need to be together. I'm going to tell you, and it's not just women. <laughs> People are freaked out about how they're going to be seen about what they look like now. Cause they feel like shit about themselves and the choices they've made thinking, well, what, why bother? The world's ending anyway, eat the pizza. Right. Right. So right. I know you did a survey And I, you know, this is one example, but I want to highlight this and go to your LinkedIn survey that you have the results on, because I do believe that, um, shame, Mm -hmm. I'm a shitty person. I just ate all that food. Oh my God. They're going to look at me like, how can I even listen to Lisa? She's fat, you know, whatever that's in the way. And that's going to lead to burnout on top of just trying to navigate. You talk about different masks. So I know there's so much to unpack here, but nobody's really talking about the weight gain Mm -hmm. and, you know, the coping mechanisms. It's just all about the blended life until I one-on-one coaching. Oh my God, I'm going to have to like, blah, blah. So yeah. Yeah. I'm, I don't even have a question. I just want to throw it back at you and have totally. you respond <laughs> well, as I go down you- here. Hold on. Okay. <laughs> Your hair looks beautiful, darling. Why? Um, thank you. My hair is looking good. Yeah. <laughs> I think part of it is, well, one, we've had this certain level of self-consciousness that is for, that is emerged out of the past year because it is abnormal to stare at ourselves on a screen all day. So like one of the things, as long as we're on screens, like I always hide my self view on zoom. So then I'm not looking at myself. Yeah. I learned that from you, by the way, it's a game changer. Hide self view, everybody hide it. You don't need to stare at yourself all day. You don't. And just Google that or we'll drop it. We'll send We'll put a video in the, in the, in the show notes. I did a video on three ways to reduce. It was great. Yeah. We'll put that in there. Um, but it's not normal to look at ourselves so much. Right. And so we become, I think like hyper self-conscious because we're staring at our, ourselves all day and on our computer screens and like Mm -hmm. it's super magnified and that's a lot. So I think one of the things I was struggling when I was recovering from my car accident, I couldn't really like work out. Um, 
and I was still eating. And so I said to my therapist, this back like November, December, I was like, I'm just concerned because I noticed that I'm, that I'm eating more and I feel like I know, I, I feel like I'm gaining weight. And, um, and she said, what if that's not like such a bad thing right now? Like, what if, if that's like the worst of what you're dealing with right now, what if you gaining, what if you eating a couple extra, you know, not even a couple, what if you eating a bunch of extra things that maybe you wouldn't <laughs> normally want to, let's be yeah. real here. Um, what if, what if that's like, okay, temporarily. And I just had this moment. It was like permission. Mm-hmm. Like oh, I wanted you to tell me to like, get it together. And <laughs> right. Yeah. So, yeah. One, there's an ac- Well, one, there's an acronym that I think a lot of us, I use a lot in the work that I do. The acronym is HALT. So you ask yourself, am I hungry, angry, lonely, or tired? Yep. So before you reach for food, right? Because it's, it's really the question is, what am I not giving myself permission to feel? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Every right. time with me. Yep. It's, yep. Yep. It's numbing. And like numbing is also symptomatic of depression. So like maybe we're experiencing these, it may not be a full on depression, but maybe we're experiencing depression and that's like part of what's going on. And so what can... What are the things we can do? Because food makes us, I mean, when I got COVID, I lost my sense of taste and smell and was nauseous at the same time, which really makes eating a nightmare. Wow. And I love, I love food. Like I was, you know, trained in culinary nutrition several years ago. And I would teach cooking classes. My husband, and I love to go out to eat and love to cook meals. And I, it was so devastating. Food is such an immediate source of comfort. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that's been helpful is to one, just be a little gentler with myself. And I think for, and this is hard, I think for all of us, because our tendency as humans is to, to notice when there's a physical change in somebody. I mean, you can't yeah. not notice it. Um, but to, to do our best to really be kind and to not like overly stare. Like if you notice a colleague gain, put on 20 pounds, like, don't, you know, don't like overly stare at them. We have this tendency to just do that or to like notice or to just be mm-hmm. aware of, of your presence of, Hey, you know, how, how are you doing? How has the past year been for you? And, and what's been the hardest about it? And, and and like, to just really, again, have these conversations as we get back together, I think the, what am I, what am I not giving myself permission to feel? What am I numbing? I, they're sort of the same question, but asking. No, it's way. beautiful. I really, it, it's honestly, from my own experience and with, you know, the people that I work with it. Yeah. What am I not giving myself permission to feel going back to your shirt again? It's okay to not be okay. Right. So when I think about the leaders, knowing that there's this group of people already, like, I don't want to go back to the office on top of, I feel like crap about how I look and everyone's going to judge me on top of, right. Am I going to get sick? Blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. I I bring it up so that they can really be conscious of it. And then when I think about connection, you know, we all, we all heal through connection Maybe there is like a walking one-on-one. Maybe there is on Fridays, everybody gets time to, you know, breathe some fresh air and look at the sunshine, like whatever it is for people to be okay. So they can feel, Yeah. you know, and this whole, like, people are going to cry. I just heads up everybody. (laughs) There will be tears. I do, you know, drum roll, please. Tears are coming people. Right. And it's what you do in that moment when those tears show up that makes and breaks that conversation. So when the tears show up, you might even just say, Oh, what are the tears about? Oh, you know, let's just, yeah. I'm just stay with the person in my world. It used to be like, wash your face and come back when you're calm. Yes. But that's very dismissive of that experience in the moment. So maybe permission to cry. Yeah. I can hold space for a couple minutes. Sure. Yeah. You know, you did that. My allergies are gone now. Imagine yeah. if we had stopped our conversation with my drippy eye. Yeah. Right. You just stay with you. Go, oh, I got allergies before, you know, have anybody not cried? I don't know anyone who has never cried I, I you know, holding that space. Right. 
Yes. Yeah. Be present for it, to witness it, you know, all mm-hmm. to, the, the healing happens, right? So much when we have, I think that's, you know, what they say about trauma is like healing happens in the presence of an empathetic witness. Mm-hmm. And we are so often projecting our own discomfort with our own process of sadness and anger, because most human beings do not regulate ang- sadness and anger very well because we never learned how to. Mm-hmm. Um, that when we see it in somebody else, we're so uncomfortable with our own way of dealing with it that we, that we do not give that person permission to have their experience. Yep. And, and so what that person needs, like more than anything else, is to be validated to your point to say, hey, so what are the tears about? Or, um, or even just to acknowledge, I can, you know, I can, you know, see that this is that you're, you know, maybe feeling upset or sad, or is there anything you want to share? Um, you know, I'm happy to listen, right. To just exactly. Yeah. To listen, or even to say, yeah, this has been a really hard, hard time. And I imagine you've been dealing, going through your own stuff that I'm probably not even aware of. Is there anything, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm happy to, to just be present and to say, thank you for sharing that with me. Right. Don't try exactly. to fix it. People don't want to be fixed. Yeah. Yeah. I honestly, the best thing could say is I noticing tears. I want to tell you right now, I'm not going to try and fix it, Yeah. but I will stay here with you. And if yes. there's anything you want to share, yes. like imagine what that would feel like. I'm not going to try and fix it right now, but if anything you want to share, and then if you need my help fixing it, let me know. Yes. You know, I'm not going to take over your emotions because I'm uncomfortable. Exactly. Yeah. Or, or try to one up you. I mean, I had people say to me, you would not believe <laughs> the one upping, right? You would not believe the number of comments I got from different people of like, well, I know somebody who was on their bike and they got hit by like an 18 wheeler and they needed spinal surgery. I'm like, help me understand how this is supposed to make me feel better. Mm-hmm. Right. Help me understand. Like, or someone would say, oh man, my kid got COVID and she didn't ever, she didn't get her smell back for like six months. Why would you tell me that? Exactly. Why yeah. would you, why would you tell all I need to say is, you know what, gosh, this really sucks. I'm sorry. You're going through that right now. Um, this must be really hard. You know, yep. is there like, if there's anything, how can I, how can I support you? Or, or is there anything else you want to share with me? Is there any, right. Is there more, right. Is there more you want to share with me? Is it's the most beautiful question. Exactly. Yeah. And then also to your point, I want to double click on it. Thank you for trusting me. Thank you for sharing this. Yes. Thank you for allowing me to experience this with you, whatever that thank you is. <clears throat> and not just thank you, but you got to like put the human underneath it. So the yes. person knows it's safe to either do it again yes. or to know that you're not going to go off and talk about so-and-so doing such and such, yes. right? Thank you for doing this. This just stays between us. You know, thank you for trusting me. Yes. I appreciate this confidential space, like whatever, yes. because man, there's nothing worse than feeling more exposed after. Oh, oh my gosh. There's nothing. Well, I remember when I burned out, which a lot of people are experiencing burnout right now. I mean, that poll that I did, right? Yeah, I asked that's what I want to get. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I've experienced burnout and there were almost 800 people that responded to this poll on LinkedIn and 88% of people said, yes, I have burned out before. 88% of people said I burned out before. Uh, 6% said that they had not. And 6% said they're on their way there. Mm-hmm. And so that means like 94% of people have either already like been there, done that, or like, you know, about to buy the t-shirt. So we kind of like pay attention to that. And the, you know, it's, I know you talk about burnout all the time on here, but it's like the symptoms of burnout are so common these days that we've normalized them. Mm -hmm. So like being exhausted all of the time, uh, symptom of burnout, but we're like, well, isn't everybody exhausted or becoming (laughs) more cynical or negative about our work? Um, anybody you talk to these days is pretty much cynical or negative about their work. Right. And then like you make mistakes and miss deadlines and don't have your attention to detail. 
burnout. Like these are all collectively signs of burnout and we just don't see it because we just see that, well, that's just normal behavior mm-hmm. in everybody right now. <clears throat> yeah, a lot of people more so than before are on the path to burnout. So yeah, yeah we should like pay attention to that and not mm-hmm. assume that that person has an attitude problem. I think one of the biggest things that gets in the way here is when we make an assumption that it's about the person as a character flaw which is why I didn't speak up. I was like, I don't want anyone to think less of me. Yep. And no one, no one got curious at no points. Anybody say, Hey, Rachel, like, you know, I, I've known you for a decade and I, I think you're fantastic at what you do. You just don't, you don't seem yourself lately. Like, do you want to connect? I'm happy to, mm-hmm. is there anything I can do to, to support you? Is there anything you want to share? You know, if you're, if you're going through something hard, like I, I would really love to support you and see what I can do to help. Not one person initiated any conversation that looked remotely like that. And it wasn't until I got diagnosed with Epstein-Barr, was told by my nutritionist that left unchecked, that can lead to things like lymphomas and neurological damage, that'll wake you up, that I then told my boss, who was the CFO, and our CEO, I'd been working there, you know, for over a decade. So I had, you know, a lot of, Mm -hmm. of, you know, coins in the bank, so to speak, but in, in the sense of what I'd built up there, but I was very honest. I said, I burned out. Here's what happened. I can't have meetings. I can't have meetings to start before 10 AM because I need to sleep like 12 hours, even though I still don't feel rested because I need to recover and my body needs to recalibrate and I want to do a good job and I'll keep you posted on how I'm doing. But I didn't ask permission. I wasn't like, can we start my meetings? Right. Like Mm -hmm. after 10 AM, I was like, I'm going to need to do this Mm -hmm. and I'm going to need to cut back on some of the speaking engagements I'm doing. And I, I appreciate your understanding in advance. If you have any questions, let me know. Yep. Yep. Right. I had to stand up for myself, but it took, it took a, to your point, it took a crisis before I stood up for myself. Mm-hmm. So don't, if you're listening to this right now, don't wait for that crisis. Like do it now, ask for the help you need now, ask for the support that you need now, say yes to somebody now, ask yourself who can help me instead of how do I figure out 15 more things now, right? Take plan a vacation day now, like do that. Do that no. now. Don't wait no. for the point of crisis and assume that you're the exception because I know both of us certainly did. Oh my gosh, completely. You, you, when one of the things that just really, <laughs> ugh, ugh, asking for permission versus asking for support. I'm just going to drop this here. <clears throat> In general, I'm going to generalize and I'll probably piss some people off. It's all good, guys. Generally speaking, women ask for permission. Generally speaking, in my experience, men ask for support. Or they even thank you for the support. They don't even freaking ask. It's just like, here it is. This is what's needed, right? Hmm. So what I what I would encourage you when it comes to spouses and loved ones, ask for support, yeah. right? Not permission. Yeah, and yeah. then when it comes to work, make sure that you're saying, I know how important Project X is. Here's what I need to do to be okay. And here's what we're going to do to make sure Project X doesn't fail, right? It's sure. not, oh, work doesn't matter. No, work right. is important. You did it for a reason. And here's what I need to be okay. And here's my plan. Yep. You know, thank you for your support. Like yep. what Rachel's saying is you're not asking, you're telling. Yeah. Right. And you're telling in a way that is actually in a leadership role, which is responsible. So yes. yes. And for no one that had that conversation with you, I know that people know because I had one person have the conversation. Well, I had one, one person have the conversation with me. You're not okay. This is not sustainable. I'm mm-hmm. extremely worried about you. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, no problem. It's all good. I got it. Thanks for that. Cause I was so embarrassed. So yes. if anyone ever does come to you know that that's a hard conversation to have because yes. it means that I see something you don't want me to see. Yeah. 
And so if you're having the conversation, make sure your intent is clear. I care about you. You matter to me. Um, and just make sure that you might get rebuted by the person or, you know, blown off and just yeah. know that it's better to say it than not. Yeah. It just is right. I mean, yeah, that's the whole thing. Well, and call it out on the front end and be like, Hey, I know it can probably, I don't really like it when somebody brings something to my attention. I don't really want to hear or like sometimes elephant in the exactly. room, call it out on the front totally. end. I don't, I don't really like, or if, if you're not the person, if you don't have the kind of relationship with that person, mm. is there somebody that you know, that is close exactly. to that person that you can yep. reach out to and say, Hey, I've, I, I, you're closest to this person than I am. You may have noticed this too, but as an outside observer, mm. I, you know, I don't really feel like I'm in the place where I can initiate this. I don't know if you have, but it, I, I'm genuinely concerned. And I think it would really mean a lot more coming from you perhaps than that's coming beautiful. from me. Yeah. So that's another thing is, is, you know, get an ally on your side, get somebody right. who, who, who can who can step in with you if yeah. you don't feel like you're the person. Cause you might not be like, if you don't have that kind of relationship with somebody and you try to mm -hmm. like pretend like you do, they're going to be like, who the heck are totally. Yeah. Get out of my business. Right. Yeah. You're not the boss of me. No, <laughs> you're not the boss of me. Well, yeah. here's a, so real quick story about something that, I mean, take us, it's a little bit of a dip, but very relevant. There was um, a company. So a speaker friend of mine was telling a story a year or so ago, about a month or so into COVID. And there was this organization that he had done some work for and was working with the executive team and, had just been with them in person right before the lockdown happened. And the CEO of the company um, reached out to him several weeks into COVID and he was really kind of off. And he said, um, I'm not sure how to tell you this, but our CFO uh, just took his own life the other day. He was so concerned about what COVID was going to do to our business or due to his job. And he took his own life and he said, the thing I'm really wrestling with is that I thought to reach out to him the day before. And, you know, I don't normally do that. And like, so I, I didn't. And, and, and the point here is not to ever blame anyone else or take on any guilt for somebody else making that choice. But the point is when someone comes to your mind, tell people the phrase I like to say that I, you know, little memorable zinger here is don't hesitate, initiate. So don't hesitate, initiate when someone comes to mind for you, don't sit there and hyperanalyze why them, why that person, everyone has access to technology right now, pick up your phone, send a voice text, send a text message, send an email, call them and say, Hey, you came to my mind today. How many times do we have this happen? Right? Mm -hmm. Like someone comes to our mind and we're like, that was weird <laughs> next. And, and then we just don't act on it. And every time I've done that and it's, it's felt random to me, that person has responded with, you know, I'm having a really rough week. I really appreciate you reaching out. This meant a lot. Yeah. Actually, I'm not okay. I'm not doing well. Thank you for checking in on me. Can we talk sometime this week? You have no idea the difference that you could make in somebody else's life, especially right now by following that little nudge and being willing to be the one to initiate. Mm -hmm be a lifeline for somebody and you don't even know it like you could literally be a lifeline for somebody or you could be just a voice of hope and encouragement and we need that like we need everyone right now to be to be thinking you know how could i possibly contribute to somebody else's life right now how could i possibly give another person hope how could i if if we all did that in our own little way even from our places of brokenness gosh, the world would change. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, the call to action for anyone listening right now, who comes to mind? 
Okay, great. When we're done, you're texting, calling, whatever. As soon as this is done, that's what you're doing, right? That's one thing I learned in my burnout. One of the things I realized was if I think of someone, I'm no longer waiting because I was in the emergency room thinking I'm having a heart attack, right? And then it was like, oh, I didn't call so-and-so. And well, and all this like went through my head. I didn't have a heart attack. I had an allergic reaction to antibiotics. And from that moment forward, if you cross my mind, I literally call people and go, you know, I do this now. You cross my mind. So I'm calling because I don't ever want, want someone to feel like they have to call me back if they're busy. Sure. Sure. But oh my gosh, they're, oh, thank you for thinking of me. This is amazing. Thank you so much. And that I think was one of the biggest gifts that my soul got in that moment of reflection, wondering if I'm having a heart attack to really remember that what matters are the people. What matters are the people. So yes, there's your CTA. There it is. So tell me, my friend, who's been through so much and is still standing and doing amazing things and keeping it real. One of the things that I really appreciate about you is how much light and joy and laughter you bring into everything you do. You know, I know for you, singing is one of those things. And I would love to um, hear your singing story because I know that there's a lot of people in tech that, you know, play instruments. They love music. And believe me, I know there are singers in there too that are just closeted right now. And I watch what happens when you sing. I've had the honor to get to see you sing. I'd love for you to just share, like, what is it for you? And how could people take that, you know, message, whether it's singing or anything else they love and bringing it into work? Well, so I've loved singing since I was really little. So I was a little girl. It was one of my forms, even though I always was very shy and kind of, you know, I I, I don't know, I would say I, I was kind of reserved and held back a bit, but singing, when I sang, when I, when I put on a emotions by Mariah Carey tape and someday or whatever, what, like I, I, be, I just can't went into a new element. You know, I felt alive in this way that I didn't really feel alive doing anything else, but because of self-consciousness and all the other things, I didn't really sing in front of people. And then I eventually did when I got to college and, and after I came back from a semester abroad and was in gospel choir and that just like blew things up singing is how I met my husband. Um, and it's become a source of just, it's always been a source of joy, but I've really stepped into it more. And so for me, I mean, one, for, for, for anyone listening, whether or not you ever sing in front of another person, singing, humming, and chanting activates your vagus nerve and your vagus nerve helps to calm down the nervous system. And so if for no other reason, even if you're tone deaf, <laughs> the, vi- the vibrational activity of singing, and also singing helps regulate your breathing. If you're singing properly, you naturally will regulate your breathing in order to sing, in order to sing properly. Um, so there's, there's certainly physical health reasons why, uh, stress relief reasons why singing is, is actually really good for you. It's one of the most, one of the simplest forms of stress relief and release. It's also a form of creative expression. And so anything that's going to give us the capacity to create, whether we're creating with an instrument, um, a physical instrument or with our voice or with a pen and paper or with a paintbrush or, um, you know, with a beat or whatever, whatever we're doing, whenever we're creating something, that is a way of letting energy move through the body. And typically when we're in a state of burnout, energy has gotten stuck. Mm-hmm. And so anything we can do, laughter is a way of moving energy through the body. Crying is a way of moving energy through the body. Hugging, which, you know, asterisk right now, but hugging is a way of moving energy through the body. Connecting with another person like we are right now is a way of en- moving energy through the body. Movement, breathing. So all these forms of creative expression are really powerful ways t- to do that. And so, you know, for me, it was really when the when COVID hit, I was looking for ways to encourage myself, to be honest with you. <clears throat> And I put it this little light of mine video on LinkedIn. And I don't know, it probably had 
for me at the time, it was like a big, maybe like 6,000 views or something. I was like, oh my gosh, like apparently people needed a boost and this resonated. And so then I started incorporating uh, singing into my keynotes and, and I started singing like uh, Hakuna Matata was a song that came up because it's sort of not really how most people were feeling or really how I was feeling. <laughs> yep. But sometimes the energy of a song can shift your energy, right? We can change mm -hmm. our physiology to change our psychology. And so because we, I knew that, I was like, I know that when I sing, I shift the way that I think and the way that I feel. And so it's an immediate path for me. So I would encourage everyone here listening to think, what is it, what is it a path that you know that when you go down that path, might be listening to a certain type of song. Mm -hmm. um, like when I listen to the song, This Is Me from The Greatest Showman, oh my gosh, I'm ready to like take on the world, you know? Yeah. Like there, or when you listen to Can't Stop the Feeling, from the trolls movie or whatever, right? Like mm -hmm. music moves us. Yep. Music is so powerful moving us. And so I really got into it because it was a source of joy for me. And I started to realize um, when I went through a professional speaking training called heroic public speaking in 2018, 2019, that is when I first started incorporating singing into my speaking. I just never connected the two before. I was like, mm, there are people that do this and it's really weird and it doesn't go well. And then there's people that don't. Yeah. <laughs> that was sort of my perception and I started doing it and they were like, you should be singing like every time you speak. And like most people, I, I'm like, well, I don't know if I'm like that good. We do that game, right? Oh yeah. Yep. Self-doubt game. Yep. Um, beat up on yourself in your head game and self-critiquing. And then I was like, it's not for you to judge. If somebody else says it brings them joy, then mm -hmm. Rachel, and you know, it brings you joy. Is there anything else that we need to ask right now? Right. Yeah. <laughs> No, we just need to do it. And I've seen companies that had, even if you have a talent show and you invite people to just like come and share whatever their talent is, like show and tell. Remember how fun that was when we were kids? Totally. Yeah. Like show and tell, show and share your talent. And yeah. whether it's playing guitar, maybe you realize you could form a company band or something. There's people that could jam out together for a social event that you have and they could do the thing they love and their coworkers could see them in a new light. Mm -hmm. um, or if you have a show, like, invite your coworkers. Like there's, there's just this really cool opportunity to see people in, in a more, more of a whole and holistic way. When yeah. we, when we get to see the thing that, that lights them up inside, come into the work they do, because it's inevitably going to impact the work, the work in a positive way. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, this is why I wanted you to talk about it. Cause what I know in my own world, fun is one of my core values. And there was nothing more fun when we'd be working on a project and then we were all just drudging and just like getting down and I'd go pull out YouTube and throw some song up that I, but made me happy. And then I dance around the room. Right. And people were like, what the hell's going on with Dury? Right. I'm like, Oh no, no, I, I gotta, I gotta move the energy. Right. And then, you know, of course there are other people on the team that love this too. So pretty much dance parties. Then we got known for dance parties. We actually, when we would run corporate events, we yeah, would yeah. Work, work with the AV team, like six in the morning, the entire staff would show up for, they know we have a dance party because that raised our vibe for the whole day of what we were doing. And then we could come together and make those memories and laugh. And when I saw your, this little light of mine on, on LinkedIn, I think I messaged you. I was like, this is amazing. I'm so glad you're doing this. Right. And it inspired my daughter to do a song. She watched you. I think I've told you this. Yeah, yeah. My daughter watched you. She wrote her own lyric, came out of, you know, her um, bike ride. Mom, I got a song. I'm like, okay, well, Rachel's doing it. Emily can do it too. Right. Yeah. Do you know my daughter's got more LinkedIn views than any video I've ever made? Right? Oh my gosh. And that's the same for like yours too, in the sense of like, 
when you bring your humanness into a platform like LinkedIn, it stands out. It's not some corporate schmorporate blah, blah, blah. It's Rachel singing this little light of mine or Emily singing little birdie. Right. And people are like, oh, I needed that today. I just needed that today. And so I would love for you right now, if you're up for it, I'd love for you to jam on with us because I think everybody can use it. We'll get to your whole favorite song for the Spotify playlist. But yeah, if you're down for a couple of, uh, you know, a little moment of singing to bring everyone up, I, we've talked about some deep stuff. So let's, let's raise the vibe. We have. Yeah. Yeah. I'll do sort of an abbreviated version. Yeah. I'll do a a partial version of this one. Um, but yeah, it's a song. So this is a movie that I loved growing up. This is one of my favorite movies as a little baby. My dad said I would sit on the floor when I was, I don't know, less than two years old and flap my arms and the flying monkeys were on the screen. Um, but there's just something about going from kind of the sepia tone world into this world of vibrant color, Mm. right. And this path to possibility and this path of collecting friends along the way and, and, and getting the support that you need and, and, and showing up with courage. And I mean, just, and with heart, um, and that just stuck. I just love this movie. So here's a, here's a song I think will be familiar to to many, many people listening. Somewhere over the rainbow, way up high, there's a land that I heard of once in a lullaby. Somewhere over the rainbow, the skies are blue. And the dreams that you dare to dream really do come true. Someday I'll wish upon a star and wake up where the clouds are far behind me. Where troubles melt like lemon drops way above the chimney tops. That's where you'll find me. Yeah. I'll leave you with that. <laughs> oh, okay, everybody. I know you've got some feelings. So I want you just to simply notice what just happened for you when you heard that. What just happened, right? I think time stood still. And imagine time standing still once a day just to get your grounding Take your three deep breaths, you know, look at the world around you. And then to listen to Rachel, there's so much hope in what you just did, right? When we think about all the things as leaders you're carrying, all the things going on in your life, the the unspoken things we just put words to, the permission to be human. I mean, Rachel, that was just such the greatest gift you gave to me in this whole conversation was the conversation leading to that song. And the, the way you talked about Sephia to color, you really, you helped me um, embrace that song even more than I ever have. And that's a, one of my favorite songs. Aww. What a gift. Mm. I'm very grateful. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. You're very, yeah. you're very welcome. Mm. <laughs> and like, look at our energy too. Cause you and I are fast talkers. We're all in it. Like we just like settled <laughs> into it, you know, just like permission to be for a moment. Yeah. You just gave everybody permission to be. And we, we, I believe there was no doubt in my mind, people didn't drop into their hearts with that experience. That was so beautiful. Thanks. Yeah. How did it feel for you? Cause I mean, we talk about wanting to find your joy. 
What did yeah. that feel like for you? I just feel like I go to another place when I sing. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I get regrounded because you have to be like when you're singing, your feet are flat on the floor and you're kind of sunk in and, and there's a certain level of emotion that can come out, especially singing acapella because you can take us, you can take something wherever you want with it. And it's like, I get permission, mm -hmm. you know, I, I just have to give myself permission. I'm like, yeah, take that note there. That's right. not how it sounds on the recording. Who cares? Do it your own way. Mm -hmm. um, and so for me, one of the things I've done, if this encourages anyone, is I've I started taking voice lessons in February for the first time in 17 years. And that's really what how this song came up was I think she might have suggested it. I don't recall how it all came to be, but we were just practicing different types of songs. And I've never really thought about singing this song and, and, and just making it my own. Mm -hmm. I do it the right way, you know. How right. does it really sound? How does Dorothy sing it? How does it, who cares? Like, how do you want to sing it, Rachel? What do these lyrics mean to you? And the, when I sang the song, when I first, when I first really sang the thing through and I got to the line of, and the dreams that you dare to dream really do come true, I, I, I couldn't finish the line because I got caught up in the emotion of what I was saying. Mm-hmm. And it was this realization of, oh my gosh, this has been in a lot of ways, a hellish year, but also a year of so much growth and opportunity and impact that I've been able to have as a result of what I went through. Mm -hmm. And it was this, it hit me in a way that it hadn't hit me before of like, sometimes we don't realize we've got it really good when we have it really good. We don't, we miss it. And so it was a moment for me to just sit with it and, and realize, oh my gosh, Rachel, these dreams you've had of working for yourself and running your own business and, 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 and impacting, you know, tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people, like ultimately one day millions of people, Rachel, it's coming true. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's coming true. And, and whatever that version of it is for anyone listening, maybe it's in your family or maybe it's in your gifting, or maybe it's, at a spiritual level, or maybe it's at your job or that for us to sit for a moment and to your point, have that moment of grounding gratitude, saying that in the tizzy of activity that we're in all the time, can we take a moment and acknowledge and appreciate what is on the way to what will be? Yeah. When I look at this conversation, which is probably the longest podcast episode I've ever recorded because there is no way to stop the most magical, beautiful thing that's showing up in this dialogue because we started with just, you know, what are you seeing? Well, we started with, it's not, it's, it's okay to not be okay. And I think that message is just so important for everybody right now. And now we've weaved through burnout stories and, you know, personal crisis moments and where the gifts are and, you know, not coping, um, not numbing out what to do instead of numbing. We've talked about therapy. We've talked about leadership. We've talked about, you know, calling people the wrong names. I mean, we've talked about all of the different like vulnerabilities and like um, soft spots we all have where we want to be our best. And then we may not be doing it. And it's just such a beautiful kind of um, wrapper for your shirt today. It's okay to not be okay. And I hope that that song that we just experienced through your own way. Um, my, I know what it did for me and I'm assuming it's going to do it for others is just the gift of being present mm -hmm. 
because it's okay to not be okay. The only way you're going to know you're not okay is if you're present with yourself to be able to do something about it. And I've, I've learned it and I relearn it all the time, all the time. And so what I'd love to do to, to, to close this out, well, there's two things. Number one is our Spotify playlist. We can absolutely put somewhere over the rainbow, right? But I, I know there's probably one other or two other in there that you may want to highlight for us. And before we get to your song, I really want to ask everybody to go follow Rachel on LinkedIn. And I want you to do it for a couple of reasons. Number one, she's amazing. But number two, you're going to get more of those songs because she does it all the time. And number three, because she is focusing on having an unmuted life, this is the smallest little glimpse of what you're going to get in this most amazing platform of where she shares her gifts, her knowledge, her resources, connections. You want to go follow her. And um, if anybody wants to connect with you outside of LinkedIn, Rachel, what's the best way to do that? Should they just DM you on LinkedIn or how do you want people to yeah, DM me on LinkedIn? That's probably the easiest thing. I'm also on Instagram. I hang out over there at unmuted life. And then I'm sort of pretending, well, not pretending I'm finally joined TikTok. Um, oh my, are you TikToking it up? I just, I just started it like last month. So I'm at Rachel Druckenmiller. Um, uh, yeah, so we'll see. <laughs> oh my God. I want to do it. Yeah, kids, I can't sing, but I can, I can do a good robot for you. So <laughs> let me know. I don't sing on this podcast because, you know, I want people to keep listening. I have other gifts. I Give do, many gifts. Give many but gifts. it is not the song. You can ask my daughter. She can sing. Um, okay. So follow you there. And then I'm going to spell your last name for LinkedIn so people can find okay. it. So it's D-R-U-C-K-E-N-M-I-L-L-E-R, pronounced Druckenmiller, and Unmuted Life is your Insta, right? And my website, yeah. Unmuted and your website. Life is Insta and then unmutedlife.com. So I have other, all my podcast Un episodes are on there and blog posts. and Unmuted. We are like, we are unmuting people. Okay. Yes. Love it. Okay. There we go. Love it. Okay. You that's did it. it. Oh, <laughs> now I go, Oh, there. Now I will tell you, okay. I have to go there. I sing all the damn time. I can't stop myself. I crack <laughs> myself up and I do know I feel better when I sing. So when I'm anxious at Thanksgiving, yeah, it's my tell, you know, you said it like helps with your energy. Yeah. I'll be Thanksgiving cooking the Turkey and we're making mashed potatoes. Right. <laughs> and then my sister will be like anxious much. I'm like, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> How but you know? the beautiful thing is like, it's such an obvious thing. Everyone's like, okay, Lisa's a little anxious. Let's all just, my, my family, and we all just get silly. So I'm like, okay. So I, I can validate your scientific evidence with my own personal experience. How about that? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So tell me, what's the song you go to, to like raise your energy? Like you got, you got that day ahead of you and you're like, I'm trying trudging through, but I want my vibe up. I, I own my own choices and I'm going to fill my soul with something that brings me to the next level of energy. What's your go-to song? This is me. Mm. This is me from the greatest showman, right? Yeah. Like of yep. the, and the instrumental that comes in behind her voice is, uh, I mean, you can't not get like amped up. Yes. Right. When you listen to that song in and as a singer, that is a hard song to sing. Mm. It is a hard song to sing. I'm working out with my vocal coach. So, um, <gasps> it is one that I'm, pursuing that. I can't wait. You have the <laughs> premiere video for us. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. This is me. Yeah. I love that song so much. I could watch that show all the time and I just get so moved. Yeah. It's like an anthem, huh? Just getting oh, you ready. Yeah, that is. And then the anthem that, because again, I really love that type of theatrical singing too, is defying gravity from wicked. Um, uh, and that, you know, something has changed within me. 
right something is not the same mm -hmm. like that that lyric was what really stuck with me when i made the decision to leave my job and start my own business mm -hmm. because once i realized and saw the potential for what i could do on my own i couldn't unsee it yeah you can't unsee it yeah something's changed within me it's not the same i'm through yeah. with playing by the rules of someone else's game mm -hmm. and that became my anthem of launching and then this is me is i mean that was one of the shirts that i had right who i meant to right. be this is me and my website of and i get so many comments about that shirt it's so funny like where'd you get that shirt like of all the things i might say really thoughtful <laughs> where'd you get your shirt <laughs> right yeah well you know um sing that again the wicked part give me the lyrics or you can sing it too um, yeah something has changed within me something is not the same i'm through with playing by the rules of someone else's game that's the lyric Okay, so that was how I rebooted from burnout. I never knew that until right now. And that's why I went back into work and I changed the rules about how I was playing. So I wasn't going to play the, the assumption game anymore about how I should be, do be, show up, be. No, I was like, nope, walking meetings. Yep, drinking more water. You know what? Less meetings because I got to keep walking to the damn bathroom. Do you know what I mean? Like, really? Yeah. Really? I used to not drink water because I didn't have time. Yeah. I was like, no, something's changing me. I'm not doing that anymore. I love that. Yeah. <gasps> Thank you for that gift. I didn't even oh. see that one coming. That was on the end of it all. All right. So if you wanted to leave our guests with a call to action, whether it's something to think about, some uh, takeaway, um, what, what's the call to action yeah. from our friend, Rachel? Don't hesitate, initiate in two ways. So if you're feeling like you've got something to give today, that you would reach out to somebody else to be an encouragement or to ask them, hey, how can I support you right now or to check in? that you would reach out to somebody else. And by the way, even if you don't really feel like you have it in you, you'll actually feel better if you do it. So really anybody that would apply to. And secondly, don't hesitate to initiate if you're in this position like we've been in, where you're judging yourself and you're hesitating asking for what you need. Don't hesitate, initiate the call, the call for help. Mm. Say, I'm, this is where I need support. I'm having a hard time. I'm committed to this work and I need some support and something needs to change. Like, can, can we explore what might need to change? So it's basically whatever, wherever you are, be the one to reach out and encourage somebody else or be the one to ask for help that you need for yourself. Mm. Well, you heard it here, people. You heard it here. And I mean, it is no, nobody better than Rachel with her stories and her own life experience. I can tell you she's giving you the permission slip. That's the permission slip, right? I love it. All right. Thank you, Rachel, for your time today. And what an honor to have you here. Thank you so much. Thank you for being so amazing. <laughs> oh, well, you're welcome. I must say um, everyone listening in, take good care, be kind to yourself, go make that call or make, make the call of offer, make the call of ask, know that you're important and loved and you are valued. And we'll talk to you soon. Take good care. That was great content, but let's be honest. If you don't get the support you need and start making changes in your life and work as a leader in tech, you can expect regret and burnout in the near future. Lisa can help you get kick-ass results at work without burning out so you can be present for the moments that matter to you and your loved ones. Take your first step at RebootWithLisa.com.